Good afternoon. Well, thank you for joining me again for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one's, uh, which skill do you want to develop next? We're having a chat also with Christina later on about the effect of education on business. Um, but right now, we're going to pop over to AV Chartered Accountants, have a chat with Tony Vidray. Good afternoon, Tony. Good afternoon, Julian. I know what skill I'd like to develop. Which is what? I'd like to develop how, uh, to learn how to dance. So that I can dance <laughs> <Bonga> <laughs> So you can have the last dance with him. So I can have the last dance, yes. Two left feet doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's just a, a bit of uh, skill training that's needed, that's all. Over a long time. <laughs> all right, so the uh, tax office is uh, looking at uh, cars that people thought were exempt. Yes, they're having a, uh, an interesting crackdown on, on vehicles that a lot of people thought were not subject to fringe benefits tax. And, and for many, many years, there was a common sort of misunderstanding. I mean, the law was pretty clear, um, but people, you know, a lot of employers had a very interesting misunderstanding about this. And it's to do with um, vehicles that are, so they're not your, your cars, not sedans. They're always been subject to fringe benefits tax. But this is where you've got a, a, a company that um, has a, something like a utility a single cab ute, a dual cab ute, yeah, yeah. Um, or one of those four-wheel drive vehicles, you know, one of those sort of, you know, more modified vehicles. And the, the understanding has always been um, that they're not subject to fringe benefits tax as long as the only use by the employee is to drive to and from work and then there's other minor and infrequent and irregular use of the vehicle. Now, for many, many years, the definition of the term minor, infrequent and irregular was minor, infrequent and irregular. Mm. There wasn't much guidance around that at all. Well, the, the tax officers uh, issued a, a, um, a practice guidance statement on what they think is, uh, is minor, and it's very, very restrictive, and it's going to catch a lot, of, um, a lot of people out. So I thought we'd have a chat yeah. about that today. So there's, there's all, all the boring stuff about, you know, it's got to be an eligible vehicle and all this sort of stuff. But where a lot of people are going to get a full foul of this is they're saying now that um, they use the vehicle to, tra to travel home and from work, and any diversion away from that trip can add up to no more than two kilometres. Okay. To the to the ordinary length of the trip. Now, interestingly, where a lot of this came from, there was a story that we heard in our tax update that a uh, lady who works for the tax office um, noticed that when she was dropping off her children at the childcare centre, that there were a lot of parents dropping off their children to the childcare centre in, in you know these ve in these vehicles that had a lot of company logos emblazoned on the side of them, and she thought, well, that's not travelling to and from. Uh, to and from work, so you know, two kilometres outside of your uh, of your normal um, trip, and and again, you think about some of the accidents that we've had in Newcastle, where people, well, you can't get to work driving that way, so you're better off travelling a different way. That's going to take you more than two kilometres. So mm. I'm hoping by the time they finalise this, that that's a little bit more generous than than just two kilometres. Yeah. Um, the other one is no more than 750 kilometres in total for the entire year on private trips. Now, again, that's very, very restrictive, mm -hmm. and no single journey can exceed 200 kilometres. Okay. So you, you might be able to so take the situation on the weekend where Go someone decides to, yeah, move house or something like that, so they do, you know, a few trips and it adds up to 190 kilometres. That's fine. You travel down to Sydney, what's that now, about 160 k's each yeah. way? Yeah, that's That's it. It's, it's no longer 
it's no longer exempt. So at the moment it's just a draft ruling, but they're saying that it applies for your benefits tax years end on the 31st of March each year, and they're saying that it actually applies for this year, for the for the okay. FBT year that ends at the end of this month. So the poor sod who uh, back in you know, May last year did a few trips down to the Blue Mountains and, and whatnot thinking, oh yeah, I'm, I'm exempt, well, you're going to fall foul of these rules. In the um, past, weren't uh, utes and vans and things exempt from doing logbooks? Well, they are, and this is this is what I, and I've mentioned this previously before on your on your program about this sort of circular you know, language. So the circular language in this is that there are no specific record keeping requirements yeah. for this. Yeah. But then the onus of proof is on you, the employer and the employee, um, to prove these things. So you know, it, it, again, I, I find these sort of things circular. How do you prove that they only drove to and from work? Yeah. Um, and how do you not prove that they you know, drove to and from work? So it's it's going to be an interesting exercise in, in record-keeping. So there's no requirement to keep a logbook, but if you're going to do more than these these trips, well, then all of a sudden the, the vehicle is subject to fringe benefits tax. Now, the consequence of that is that the employer is going to cop a bill mm. of 20% of the cost of the car Okay. if there's no logbook. So... So, you know, again, you don't have to keep a logbook. Well, you're going to now... Well, you haven't kept a logbook, so now the... You know, if, if a utility costs, say, I don't know, what, what are you worth these days? Say thirty grand, $30,000, say, you know, in that example, it's going to be $6,000 every year that falls on the employer's head, not the employee's head. Mm. So mm. it's um, it's a very... Yeah, it's a very interesting um, scenario, so it's... I, um, I know there are a few accountants around town that drive those big four-wheel drive... Um, utes as well. I'm not one of them. I know, but I just... <laughs> Mine's camouflage. <laughs> now, you asked me to quickly mention yeah. about technology. Well, and this is this is the interesting part. Technology is playing a big part of this because where where people are going to get caught out with this is, let's say that you have the employee puts his hand on his heart and says, no, 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 I only drive this to and from work. They may even sign a declaration to that effect. The employer goes, yep, that's fine. Um, you know, we accept that, so therefore everyone thinks that the, the vehicle is an exempt vehicle. The ATO are using technology to catch people out. One of the things they're using um, is e-tag technology. Mm. So if you've got an e-tag mm. that's either in the name of the company or the individual, and it, it again, it beeps down in Sydney or the Blue Mountains on a weekend, the, the ATO are going to be able to prove very, very quickly that, um, that you, you know, you're not using that vehicle just to and from work. Mm, mm. They're also using mobile phone data because, as we know these days, mobile phone mm. has you know GPS in them, so everyone, all the authorities can pretty much track where everybody is at any point in time. So they're using the mobile phone data to say, well, you know, you were down in the Blue Mountains on that weekend, so again, you could not have just used the vehicle to and, um, from, to work. and from work. And mm. the other one, the third way, is um, a lot of companies these days have GPS tracking technology in their vehicles to keep a track of their employees to make sure that, you know, are they actually driving, you know, to and from Coffs Harbour and, and whatnot. That data is being accessed by the ATO. And, uh, again, that could be used against an employer and an employee to say, well, no, you weren't just driving that vehicle to and from work. We've got external sources of data here to say that uh, you've used mm. it on weekends and you've travelled more than 200 kilometres. So it's a yeah. very... And, and as I say, it's expensive because if you have... You think of a, a mining or engineering company that might have a fleet of, say, 20 or 30 utilities yeah. in their fleet and you've got all those people driving around and do the sums, it's... Um, now, per annum, and they can go back four years 
It's a uh, it's a very it's very a one, huh? expensive potential yeah exercise. Oh. So yeah, word of warning: be very 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 careful. You know, with that sort of stuff. At the end of the day, it gets back to employers and their contracts with their employees. Yeah. When you're giving them the key to a Ute, what are, what are you also giving them? Are you giving them a contract? Are they signing something to say, you know, I, I abide by these terms. I will not use it off road. I'm not going to go fishing with it. You know, blah blah blah. What are the terms of the, of the engagement with your employee? As with that vehicle um, as to how they're going to use it and what they are going to do with it and what they aren't. So it's going to get back to <clears throat> policies and contracts and procedures that employers have in place yeah. with their employees. It's going to dictate, you know, again, if they ever get a knock on the door, what have you done? Well, here's what we've done and this is how we've you yes. know, restricted our private use for all our, yeah. um, all our staff. I'm glad I keep my logbook 100% of the time because I know exactly what I'm doing there. Again, like there's, I'm noticing um, on social media, there's there's a product called Go Far, which um, my lovely wife bought me for Father's Day last year, which is still in the packaging. I need to um, to unwrap it, but that's technology now that can do logbooks electronically and yeah. it'll keep a track of of where you're up to. So you know, can work for you, can work against you, depending on what you're trying what you to put achieve. In. <laughs> what you're trying to achieve at the end of the day. Right. Thanks for your time again, Tony. We'll have a chat with you again next month. Always a pleasure. Thank Thanks, you. Julian. Bye bye. Tony Vidray there from AV Chartered Accountants. Yeah, if you've got fringe benefits tax vehicles, beware. Time to pop over and have a chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you this week? Good, thank you. We're going to talk about uh, the effect of education on business or what, the way education is going. Yeah, that's right. So I, I figure education is super important and the way that we're teaching um, teaching students in high schools now is particularly important to business and there's slow incremental changes happening but particularly potentially not happening fast enough because we know that the new that you know that as as students graduate they graduate from universities or TAFE colleges or they go directly into businesses how they think how they behave directly impacts business mm -hmm. and Unfortunately, what we're looking at um, at the moment is a lack of critical thinking skills, lack of creativity because of the the way things are structured. You know, the, um, students potentially get an assessment now and go, you must show this, you must show that, etc. But when they go into a workplace, nobody actually says to them, this is exactly how you need to do something, and they're, and they're a little bit lost. They, they tend to be looking for extreme direction, which mm. is what we've been teaching them. Um, in high school, so there was a very interesting, um, interesting uh, organisation called High Tech High that was that presented at Singularity University Australia Summit a couple of weeks ago, and they actually asked the students how they would like to learn, and everything, surprise, surprise, is project based. Um, right. So they might they might have an interest um, in say the weather, and and what they did with one particular weather experiment was they launched literally launched sixty balloons in the air. Um, to figure out weather patterns, wind patterns, what happened at various degrees, you know, to, to all these balloons. There was another um, another experiment that they did um, where they actually put people into groups and the experiment was how do people work in different groups and how do personalities come together. Um, an interesting thing about the way that High Tech High um, work and select which schools they're going to work with is they make sure that there's a diverse... Um, postcode, like so, you can't all come from the same area within the school. And what is it that we're teaching in in, in businesses now? The diversity in the room is where the you know where all the gold comes from. So if you don't put like-minded people um, in the same mm -hmm. situation, you have more opportunity of, of problem solving. So mm -hmm. you know things like critical thinking, um, creativity in particular, which we know of. There's a lot of schools 
wanting to focus on entrepreneurship uh, at the moment, and it's kind of not really, uh, in my opinion, the way to go because everybody doesn't want to be an entrepreneur, and heaven help us if we have a world full of entrepreneurs because we actually need the admin, the accountants, everybody else that forms part of that entrepreneurial team in order to make things actually happen. So, yeah. you know, entrepreneurs are often big visionaries and, and big dreamers, and they need people to pull them in and go, hey, yeah. let's make this work, and here's the action plan. Great, and, and that's one of the reasons actually that uh, I sent my son to a Steiner school because they've always, right through his schooling, have worked on projects and creativity and think and and uh, um, uh, yeah, yeah, working working out solution of problems. Yeah, yeah. and I, you know, I think I think we know this, and yeah. I've read so many papers around what we should be doing, and yeah. it really is time to go, hey major changes. You know, all we seem to be doing at the moment is plugging our education system. Yeah. Um, the fact that we're on three yearly budgets for, you know, dependent on which government's in power, is no way to run a business as we know. Um, so I think we really need to get real and make some solid changes in education and, and really put into practice what some of these reports are suggesting. Some good thoughts. Well, thanks very much for your time again. We'll have a chat again next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with some thoughts on education. Uh, yes, certainly looking at what do businesses require and uh, creativity and problem solving and project work is certainly one of the ways we're going these days. Which skill do you want to develop next? Success requires continual growth and learning. But how do you know which development efforts will yield the best return? Well, first of all, look for the overlap between what your organisation needs and what will give you the most satisfaction. If you're in operations, you might identify several business critical areas for improvement, say learning to better manage large custom client projects in order to significantly reduce cycle and delivery times. Next, think about whether you can excel at those capabilities that you want to develop. If you're already very well organised, that uh, bodes well for being able to learn complex project management. Finally, honestly assess how interested you are in the capabilities. The key is to focus on the skills that will propel your organisation forward, play to your strengths and keep you passionate about learning. Some interesting points there. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. In a moment, John Slaven will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to chat with Shane Hamilton from the Jetco Group about business communication issues, and we're talking there more about equipment and systems. And we'll have a minute on innovation with Christina, and we'll look at some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you, at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and, as Richard Branson once said, every success story is a tale of constant adaption, revision and change. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.